Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talks TV and Movie Show. This week on the show, something special for the bank holiday weekend. We're looking at the best blockbusters of all time. If you'd like to get involved, you can tweet me, John underscore Fardy, or you can email us, screentime at newstalk.com. Just remind you, this show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on newstalk.com or the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm here on News Talk. I'm smiling because there's two people staring at me as I talk, which doesn't usually happen. I, I'm joined by Chris Wasser, arts critic and film critic, and also by News Talk's own Sue Murphy to take a trawl through the best blockbusters of all time. Guys, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. We are Spielberg heavy. <laughs> Let's get to that. Just at the start, there is kind of, not consternation, debate about when the first blockbuster, like summer blockbuster specifically began. Some people think it's psycho and stuff like that because they were queuing around the block. But I do think Sue Murphy's first choice is probably the one that we think of as the first summer blockbuster. And it was when it had people crawling around the streets to get into the cinema. And it is, of course, this. situation is that apparently a great white shark has staked a claim in the waters off Amity Island and he is going to continue to feed here as long as there is food in the water and there's no limit to what he's going to do I mean we've already had three incidents two people killed inside of a week and it's going to happen again it happened before the Jersey Beach 1916 there were five, five people, people chewed up in the surf in tell one week tell them about the swimmers a shark is attracted to the exact kind of splashing and activity that occurs whenever human beings go in swimming. You cannot avoid it. If you open the beaches on the 4th of July, it's like ringing the dinner bell, for Christ's sake. Look, sakes. Mr. Vaughan, Mr. Vaughan, I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of a boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. It was Ben Gardner's boat. It was all chewed up. I helped tow it in. You, sh- you should have seen him. Where, where is that tooth? Did you see it, Broden? No, I didn't see it. He, he dropped it. I had an accident. Way in. And what did you say the name of this shark is? It's a carcarid and carcarius. It's a great white. But you, you don't have the tooth. Look, we depend on the summer people here for our very lives. You are not going and to have to close those beaches. We're, we're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. We're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. Sue, there'll probably be no argument from me and Chris. Tell us why you're nominating this. Um, I'm a bit obsessed with Jaws, actually. And I, I picked it because when you said to me, let's do blockbusters, I was like, do you know what? It has to be Jaws. Because mm-hmm. uh, it is, I, I think it is the first blockbuster. And that's what I put it down as. Um, before I was reading up about it, actually, before we came upstairs, the f- films before that used to get a limited release. I came Not, from downstairs. It doesn't downstairs. <laughs> downstairs. Um, they used so. to get a limited release of like, what, five, six screenings. Mm-hmm. And then depending, like I think Godfather only released in five or six screens. Yeah. Depending on how it would do, it would then go into other screens around the country. Jaws changed all that. It, it was 409 screens across America. Wow. Like when you think about that, how much that changed, how people go to the cinema and view films 
as well as that it was a summer blockbuster yeah like you know we probably know the way the calendar goes but just for for people that might not be as familiar once you're going into winter you're going into November December you get all your Oscar films yeah like April is a bit of a dead zone they kind of put out the arty films there that they kind of want to do well <laughs> off the back of people talking about them and then you get into your summer blockbuster that really wasn't always the way like mm. summer blockbusters didn't really exist but I just love Jaws like I I grew up watching and I've read the book a few times I actually like think the whole thing like not just the shark the whole story around Jaws and how he he does the community and how they continue to let people go onto the beach and the mayor and how, like he's a little bit evil and that whole idea of like Spielberg just being so interested in how people respond to these things and all of the you know the famous lines we're going to need a bigger boat like mm-hmm. it's just it has everything and there's great performances it looks incredible but I love the backstory to Jaws as well I love the like behind the scenes what happened you know that wasn't meant to be shot the way it was the the shark failed and the reason there isn't that much of the shark in the film is because it was broken <laughs> so, yeah and yet we see it as a lesson in suspenseful filmmaking now yeah. not showing the shark yeah. Whereas, so, and like, it was a happy accident the last scene that Spielberg shot, he got on a boat, got, <laughs> took off and was like never to be seen again. <laughs> he absolutely hated shooting this film. Yeah. And it was really, really hard for them to do it. Like there was loads of complications across the across the shoot. But that's what makes Jaws so brilliant when yeah. you think about it afterwards. And I hadn't seen it in a big screen. Actually, you were talking about the IFI before we came in, Chris. There was an IFI screening of Spielberg films. And I went to see Jaws in that incredible screen in the IFI, uh, I think screen two, screen two. And I'd never seen it in a cinema. And it's way more terrifying Mm. in the cinema than you give a credit for. Because you're always watching it like six o'clock on a Sunday evening, like, oh, there's this shark. But like, (laughs) (laughs) like when you see it in the cinema, it really is terrifying. Yeah. And it cleared the beaches in the States for that summer. Like people were not going to the beach because they were afraid of great white sharks. Like that's incredible. So I gather. And en route to letting Chris in on Jaws, I just want to say, no, no, that's all good. (laughs) That's why you're here. But I showed it to my then 10 year old and he absolutely loved it last year. Yeah. Absolutely thought it was a movie like he would watch with his pals you know Chris I assume you're a fan of Joel oh absolutely yeah you have me thinking about the uh, the mechanical shark that they use for it I remember yeah. reading once that they spent somewhere around 700 grand to a million <laughs> of a bu- and they were already over budget yeah. um, on mechanical sharks and they had three of them I think they were all called Bruce but and they kept yeah. failing yeah. and all these years later Spielberg said that if the damn thing had worked we would have seen it more and I'm not really sure if I believe him because when you actually do see the shark you think Oh, there it is. Mm. Isn't that ridiculous looking? You know, it is terrifying on the big screen, but when you see it on television, you think, well, that's a bit ropey. Yeah. Um, so I think like Jaws actually holds the record if you're going to lump it in with, you know, creature features mm-hmm. for, you know, delaying the creature for yeah. nearly an hour and a half. Yeah. You would not get that these days. No and I know way. we're going to be talking about this film later on, Jurassic Park. Look at the most recent Jurassic World film where you have a dinosaur on screen for the in the first 10 seconds. Yeah. So yeah. Spielberg, yeah, it was a happy accident that those, you know, blasted mechanical things weren't working, but mm. he also knew how to build suspense. Oh, he knew how yeah. to build terror. He just didn't actually have self-confidence because I think you were saying there that he took the boat off at the end. Yeah. He was afraid that the crew were going to throw him in the water because yeah. he put them through so much stress. Hell. He thought, this is going to end my career. I've only done three films. He was still only a kid at that stage. Yeah. He thought it was just going to end everything. It just started everything. Yeah, and, and and it was the launch pad because it gave him such freedom then as yeah. we we continue to still enjoy up until The Fablemans this year. Okay, Jaws, no argument for me about one of the greatest blockbusters. And I think it's fair to say the first blockbuster of all time. Chris, we're going to your first choice and it is the very recognisable voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm a friend of Sierra Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No. 
can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. You want to wait? There's a bench over there. I'll be back. Chris, I'll be back. The Terminator. Now, I, I could argue with you about, is this actually a summer blockbuster? Terminator 2 certainly is. Yeah. But, but Terminator, great movie, but... Explain. No, not quite. It's actually, it's it's a low-budget sci-fi film that got lucky in terms of, you know, audience word of mouth. Yes. And it almost never got made in the first place. And I mean, even Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's built an entire career off the back of, you know, this 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 character, you know, he had no confidence in it. He was going around at the time. I think he was promoting... Uh, the second Conan film mm-hmm. and he was on set and he was in some gear left over from the shoot of Terminator he was doing all these films at the same time and he was asked about the gear that he was wearing and he said oh it's just from you know some crappy sci-fi that I'm doing it'll just take me a couple of weeks and, w- and it was when he actually started to see the dailies and when he saw a first cut that he thought oh wow we're on to something mm. here um, yeah I just I, I watched it again there recently and I think I spent the last 20 years thinking T2 Terminator 2 is the that's the big blockbuster mm-hmm. and it's the far superior film and it's the film that you and should you'd be show. Correct, yeah. yeah, and it's the film that you should show studios and filmmakers when they're going, when they're wondering if you should make a successful or if you if you should make a sequel to a sci-fi film. Yeah. Can you do it as good as this? That should be the standard. Mm. That should be the bar. But then I watched the first one again at Christmas and I thought, actually, no, this is the bar. This is like, this is, you know, probably one of the greatest economic sci-fi films ever made. They had nothing, like in terms of the budgets we have now, yeah. they had very little to work with. You know, they had to make sure that the actors are being paid, but they also had to make, you know, these robots look believable on screen. Um, they, they had to, uh, you know, uh, I mean, the script wasn't even finished when, when they started. That was still a bit all over the place. They were shooting at night and not even getting permits to shoot. Yeah. Uh, you know, James Cameron was still, you know, a rookie filmmaker at this time he was working basically with a story based on a dream that he'd had when he had food poisoning so all of it was it was just they were all making it up as they as they go along but i remember watching it there last christmas and thinking this is so effective i know it looks a little bit clunky i know there are times where the robots are the you know the cyborgs look a little bit like something from a harry house film you know it's all the stop motion is it's a little bit clumsy but it's so effective it, and it's still it's terrifying it works as a it works as an almost horror it works yeah. as a sci-fi it works as an actioner it's it's by far the best Sue you look perturbed because <laughs> I love T2 yeah. so much I, I think I'm borderline obsessed with T2 actually I have a funny story about that my dad uh, taped T2 my dad used to tape films off the TV for me and if I was okay to watch them he'd leave them out for me and if it was too scary he wouldn't let I I'd never saw the video again but he left out T2 for me but he didn't record the end of it <gasps> by accident so I thought that Arnie had lived on and I was at a house party many years later and I saw the bit where he jumped off and the thumb goes up and I didn't know this had happened and I was like hang on a second what the hell is going on here and it was a really traumatic event oh, wow. so like so I am obsessed with T2 I think it's the better of the two films but but if you're looking at it in terms of blockbuster, I think it, it's definitely, it, it deserves a place because it really started mm. all of those kind of films. And the, his ability to go on and make T2 because of it and the amazing special effects. Like, and you still look back at T2 now, the yeah. special effects are so good. Yeah. But T, the Terminator gave him the argument to be able to go and do that. Absolutely. And, and what I find interesting about the Terminator, it's quite a dark kind of, you know, sci-fi noir yeah. or whatever when story. you rewatch it. Yeah, it is. I mean, the whole... All these time traveling things don't really make any sense, or they certainly fry my head. But yeah, don't think about future, too Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's the great irony, and I'm very fond of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Having briefly seen him in a, a hotel lobby in uh, Austria, we're close ever since. But no, no. <laughs> but 
the the irony is, you know, his best role is him playing a monosyllabic robot. Like, yeah. let's be honest, he is not a great actor. He may be a charming actor, but he's not a great actor. I don't know if either of you watched Arnold on Netflix. I quite enjoyed it. Seen the documentary. It's good, but a very funny is the wrong word. But O.J. Simpson, this is one of the revelations, and it was up for the role of the Terminator. Yeah. Mm. And James Cameron said people didn't think he was believable as a killer. A cruel irony. Now we cut to ad break. <laughs> Let's not. move on with my first choice. Don't make me destroy you. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. So we've just ruined it, in case you didn't know. Dark Vader is actually Luke Skywalker. <laughs> like Homer Simpson. Yeah. But I'm assuming most people know in 2023. So look, that's obviously The Empire Strikes Back. You know, Godfather 2 is probably the greatest sequel of all time, but Empire Strikes Back is up there. If you're a Star Wars fan, I'm not sure if everybody gets this necessarily, but to my mind, Star Wars, the space opera, the first movie, incredible. Crappy acting, that's a given. But to come back with Empire Strikes Back was kind of a brave thing because, again, a bit like Terminator... It's kind of lost in what Star Wars became, but Empire is quite a dark movie. It begins with that phrase, it was a dark time for the Rebellion. The Rebellion are seriously on the run. Darth Vader is in ascendancy. They have this brilliant land battle in this icy thing. Then they all go on the run. And at its heart, and of the whole trilogy, is revealed this Freudian Greek tragedy horrible secret and I was five in the cinema and I remember so what I just about to be 48 I was yeah I was five in 1980 and I remember going <gasps> Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father this is absolutely yeah. incredible and even when you look at it now because again I've watched I've, I've watched it recently with the now 11 year old and the graphics the way it looks it holds up because it's drenched as I say I keep sorry to say darkness, but it is drenched in darkness and ice. It's a real trip and a bit like a sci-fi noir, dare I say. I didn't think we keep saying sci-fi noir. I think it's the second greatest sequel ever made and Darth Vader is the best he's ever been in this. Yoda always leaves me a bit cold. I think they're... That's unfair. Well, I think they're kind of <laughs> dripping into the Muppet Show a bit. He was the one character I never really bought. I thought it was a bit too daft and his introduction in this movie, I never really bought. That's a small criticism. And when he lifts up the X-Wing fighter and he's just telling I just never bought that. That notwithstanding, I think it's an amazing film. Do you both like The Empire Strikes Back? Maybe you don't, I mean... I love it. Yeah. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I think we We've actually talked about this before. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Really? Where was this? Where was I? On another yeah. radio station? I, How I, dare I actually you? actually have this thing where I'm like, George Lucas, please stop messing with the sixth one for the love of God and changing yeah. the ending. But, um, yeah. you know, when you go back and you, like, I, I went to see three 
which is Revenge of the Sith, isn't it? Is oh, yeah, God. Oh, now, yeah. Not fantastic, but I went to see it in a packed screen with a load of kids that had never seen a Star Wars film. Mm. And the, the intro came up with the Lucasfilm where it goes green and the screen went demented. Wow. And it was such a moment. I was like, God, you really think that Star Wars... like. That ability to keep connecting with yeah. audiences generation after generation with the same story is unbelievable. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. No, I'm a huge fan. I've always really, really liked it. Chris Empire? Uh, love it. Love okay. it. It's probably the best Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I also like how you're, you're able to, you're on board with, you know, laser swords and Buckethead, but Yoda is a step too far. <laughs> no, I know. It's um, ridiculous really, isn't it? Yeah, it's believable. <laughs> I think it's interesting, the three films that we've discussed so far, you could tie them together in terms of their original blockbusters that, um, you know, have this lovely simplicity about them. Yeah. That's, that's ruined now. I mean, you look at Empire Strikes Back, it's so easy to follow and it's mm. so melodramatic Jaws is just you know shark three lads going after it away yeah. we go and the Terminator is you know few soldiers from the future back in the past it's yeah. chaos they're so easy to explain they're so enjoyable to watch they're, they've become they went on all of them went on to become complicated franchises yeah. where people just kept ch- changing and tinkering uh-huh. with things it was almost like you know Ted going at the car and father Ted just yeah. ruining something yeah. nice good analogy um, yeah. but the Empire Strikes Back you know arrived at a time when people genuinely wanted more Star Wars and it's strange now that we we thought you know a few years ago we wanted that too now I've yeah. had enough of Star yeah. Wars I know and I never so thought weird. I'd say that or yeah. hear you say that but but such is life anyway we are you are we are also listening to but we're performing it as well you are listening to a special screen time where myself Chris Wasser and Sue Murphy are looking at the best blockbusters of all time we will take a quick ad break and return after that Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, News Talks TV and Movie Show. We're bringing you a special this week where we're looking at the best blockbusters of all time. I am joined by Chris Wasser and Sue Murphy. Sue, we return to you. And uh, Chris already mentioned it, but you're going for, I presume, the first Jurassic Park. Yeah, the first. Bloody hell, they need to stop making the... Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I think we all concur. Please stop. Um, yeah, total box office for this was six billion worldwide. Um, and it's like it's, it's mad because you have all the different elements of Jurassic Park. If you look through the the top films that are blockbusters there's a lot of Jurassic Park in there and I feel like when we were coming here I was like Spielberg has really just been a theme of my childhood but um, I, the first film I saw in the cinema was The Little Mermaid and the second film I saw in the cinema was Jurassic Park Okay. and I remember we were away on holidays we were in Kerry and my dad was like the, the all the posters were up around the place and he was like go, go on a bit and I I don't think I'd ever get over that moment with the water in the glass yeah. and the Tyrannosaurus Rex and I didn't know like imagine being what I was about 12 or 13 at the time I was like what the hell's happening Oh my god! It was incredible. Like it's just his his ability to tell that story in a humane, like getting you know the children involved with the you know the the John character and all that kind of stuff, and then you have Sam O'Ne- Sam Neil and all yeah. of his like his backstory and the fact that he's like so taken over. Like you know when they come over the, the the hill and they see the dinosaurs for the first time, and it's just such a moment for him seeing a dinosaur, his whole life work in front of mm. him. It's so incredibly touching like yeah. it's still when I see it and I hear that music I get really emotional and I think that's unbelievable considering there's a Tyrannosaurus Rex running around the park about to kill everyone about an hour later like it's it's actually unbelievable and to your point and Chris's earlier like when we finally see the T-Rex that yeah. scene and again classic Spielberg it's, it's we're waiting and waiting and then it's just the way it appears and it's funny oh, like yeah. your man getting stuck in the toilet and he just like <laughs> like that is actually <laughs> funny like it was done really really well and he's such a wuss and I love the way the kids are the ones that are like save the day yeah. but the scene with the raptors in the kitchen 
just so good and I love the bit at the start of the film or the is it, it, kind of midway through the rap, one of the raptors get out and he's like clever girl I, I, like, I'll never get over how good that is there's so many points and I remember when they did the was it the 20th anniversary and they showed it in the cinemas again and I was just so excited <laughs> to come back in to see it like I just love it and I think he's the king of the blockbuster really isn't yeah, he yeah so he is good. and we still have some more of his movies to get <laughs> yeah. to we should have just yeah, called it a Spielberg, Spielberg special yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chris uh, you went to see uh, Jurassic Park with your dad did you? I did, yeah. So I was five. My twin brother and I were five. and ah, You were uh, a twin. I didn't yeah. know that. There you go. We're learning more about each other. Yeah, we are. Um, what but- are your hobbies? <laughs> Cinema, obviously. <laughs> like long walks on the beach. Uh, <laughs> I remember just seeing the the sign and seeing the posters. And, yeah. you, know, you don't have any dinosaurs on the posters. You just have that iconic Jurassic Park. Yeah. Quite, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just beautiful. And we were just sold on that, my brother and I. But my dad was like, mm, not so sure. He'd already shown Spielberg stuff to us. Okay. Um, and so he decided to take my elder sister first as a test run. One week. <laughs> and he said that if it's suitable, he'll take us the following week. So he comes home and we were waiting, like, you know, what, what's it like? And he says, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. My mom says, are you, are you sure? You know, because my, my sister Vicky was a bit freaked by it. Mm. He took us to see it the following week. It is not fine. For a five-year-old, I yeah. was terrified. Yeah. I was just—I was so in the, I was—it was magic. It was magic on screen the whole for the whole two hours. But that T-Rex scene scared me. Yeah, when the kids are trying to hold up the glass and the heads coming oh, through, yeah. and also—and I think you know—I know this might sound a bit pretentious. You know, I was five and I re- noticed the difference between CGI and animatronic. <laughs> but you can <laughs> see, a little pretentious, but go on. But you can see that that's a real that that that's a real thing crashing through that car. Yeah, and that is more effective yeah. on a kid watching a dinosaur film. Absolutely. Any sort of CGI yeah. or computer thing. Like. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I think I was too young to watch it, but I'm glad I did. It's funny. Obviously, I talked to a lot of people who love movies and it seems so many people saw stuff they weren't meant to yeah. as kids, but it's kind of stuck to them. Ian O'Doherty, I remember, saw Jaws when he was five and yeah. it, he kind scarred of maintains... The Omen. I saw The Omen when I was very young and yeah. I was scarred for life after yeah, seeing it. I was, I was far oh, too the, young the, seeing the that as well. the church. Oh, the, when she throws herself out the window at the party. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let's stay in the light, people. <laughs> Okay, well, look, Jurassic Park, and I think we're all agreed last year's Jurassic Dominion. Man. Awful. No, please stop. stop. No, I will. Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) What is meant to be a blockbuster uh, special, I think we're now calling a Speedberg special because this is Chris Wasser's next choice as his favourite blockbuster. Having headaches, migraines. Yeah. Irritation des yeux et du sinus. An irritation in your eyes and your sinuses. Yeah. Démangeaisons, des allergies. You have hives. You have uh, allergies. Des brûlures sur le visage et sur le corps. You're burning uh, on your face and on your body. Yes. Who are you people? Look at this. Yeah, I got one just like in my living room. Who are you people? Je Monsieur Neri, please, one more question. N'avez-vous pas fait récemment une rencontre? Have you recently had a close encounter? Une rencontre plutôt inhabituelle. A close encounter with something very unusual. Who are you people? Who are you people? That, of course, is a clip from Close Encounters of the Third Time, which Chris Wasser is nominating as one of the best blockbusters of all time. Chris, why do you love Close Encounters? I think it's Spielberg at his best, uh, maybe up until The Fablemans as well, at his most personal too. Mm. Um, I think it's genuinely one of the best alien films ever made, um, probably because it's one of the few, well, I suppose there, there is a little subgenre of alien films where they're not just out to obliterate. Mm. Or, you know, yeah, but do, it's small. Yeah, where they do just genuinely want to say hello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but everyone here is operating at the top of their game like that includes Dreyfus John Williams Spielberg um, it's funny to me that it could have been so much it could have been so different because when Spielberg started to make it despite the fact that he had 
huge success with Jaws. Um, Columbia Pictures, they, they didn't want him to go off and make a UFO picture. Mm. They didn't want him to take more mm. risks. They wanted him to do something safe, obviously because, you know, he'd, he'd gone over budget on Jaws yeah. and because, you know, it, it was almost a disaster. Um, but did you know that he originally had Paul Schrader working on, on a screenplay? I think I heard that, yeah. Could have been very different. I mean, he even said that the, the screenplay, and this is a very harsh thing for one artist to say about another, <laughs> that the screenplay that he that Schrader handed over was the worst piece of writing <laughs> that he had ever seen and I thought well that's, that's wow. a little bit mean wow. um, but I, I do think it's funny that he had all of these screenwriters kind of working on different ideas that would eventually make their way into the Close Encounter screenplay and Spielberg then would take sole credit for that screenplay mm. that's a little bit I'm not too like sure him. yeah I don't think that would happen now no um, but no there's just something very again it's this simple plot of it's not you know and we'll get to this a little bit later with Indiana Jones. Now everyone always thinks Indiana Jones is this kind of, you know, invincible hero, but he's an ordinary man. And we're dealing with a very ordinary man in an extraordinary situation, Close Encounters. I just remind people, it was probably obvious, Richard Dreyfus has had a Close Encounter. He's Roy Neary. He's an electrical lineman. He's sent out one night to investigate a power outage in Indiana and he gets a little bit lost. And mm. while he's looking at his map, he's at this railway crossing, uh, he, you know, sees a UFO. And this UFO burns the side of his face with its bright lights and it just does something to him where he becomes obsessed with, you know, images of this UFO and also images of a weird mountaintop. Mm. Uh, Which he famously builds then yes, out of mashed yeah. potatoes. mashed potatoes, mud in the house and he just becomes obsessed and it takes over his life. It destroys his marriage, his relationship with his mm. kids. But he, it, it's kind of, it, although there are aliens involved, I think the older I get because I rewatched this film an awful lot, the more I realise that he's just kind of just having a little bit of a moment where he's asking himself, what does this all mean? Yeah. And why am I here? And, uh, surely I'm meant to do more with my life and yeah. what's my purpose all those kinds of things you know there's the aliens are metaphors yeah, for yeah. life's great passions or whatever yeah yeah. there are some very, very real questions in there uh, I could talk about it all day but I will just mention just the music <laughs> I love the fact that when it came to the score John Williams went from having two notes in Jaws yeah up, you know, he boosted it up to five. You know, he was on his way. Um, but John Williams here, he was just doing something that he would just do with every other film he was working on. I like to think that John Williams would sit down and go, what does a war in space sound like? Mm. Yeah. What would seeing dinosaurs for the first time sound yeah. like? And here, what would it sound like if aliens just played keyboards? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets it and he creates a score that even if you've never seen the film, you know the music and yeah. that's magic in and of itself. Yeah. Great acting, fantastic writing, lovely story there, some autobiographical flourishes from Spielberg as I said everyone's up there operating at the top of their game here I don't normally have you know French voices uh, in the original yes. French because no, unless you're like me and you speak French no no but most people <laughs> won't understand them I'm joking but uh, that was Francis uh, Francois Truffaut yes. who acts in Spielberg yeah and he had never acted in a film that he hadn't directed before yeah. and he was a little bit reluctant to take it but he just yeah. thought that's okay you know what I've heard that big Hollywood uh, productions take ages there's an awful lot of sitting around so mm. he Rather than, you know, getting annoyed that he had nothing to do sometimes on set, he was off to his trailer to write his next film. Yeah. So he delivered a lovely performance. A lot of audiences that might, our audiences that might not have been familiar with Truffaut's work then investigated his work afterwards. Yeah. It was a win-win for everybody. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great stuff. Out of- and you know, you probably know this, but Spielberg credits Truffaut with the genesis of E.T. because he said to Spielberg, write something about your childhood. Yeah. And yeah. that's what E.T. was. Mm-hmm. So you haven't seen Close Encounters? I haven't Encounters. seen it. That's what okay. A, what an absolute disgrace. But no, no. it's more... It, it, I don't want to say more the same, but it's more that idea of connection, like the, whatever I read about anything to do with Spielberg, 
it's always like you know the child like being shot from the angle of the children it really he really delves into that idea of childhood and nostalgia connection memory all that stuff yeah. and I think that's why he's just so so good but no I will watch it it's a disgrace I haven't like I no no there's, there's, no there's, but it is like I will use that word it is a disgrace okay. <laughs> well I'm glad you said it I have to briefly tell you something very funny happened at the start of the year around Fablemans I was meant to interview Paul Dano and that didn't happen. But then I interviewed uh, the young boy who's momentarily escapes. What can you remember his name? Who played uh, the young, the wrong Spielberg and Fablemans? If anyone can, it'll come to me. It'll, it'll come to me. Performance, but yeah, brilliant performance. But for a period of thirty six hours, the guy who was setting up the interview said to me, "Look, he wasn't going to do any press this side of the water, but it's getting a great reaction. So we think it's happening. So you can have him for five minutes." And I just thought, I can fold up my tent now. I woke up the next morning, it wasn't happening. But for about 24 hours, I thought I was going to interview Spielberg. But anyway, it didn't happen. Not to worry. It's a pretty dull story, isn't it? Here's what you could have had. It is heartbreak. I'm devastated for you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, we're going to get to my uh, last choice in this part of the show. And I don't have a clip because I was going to play the Batman music, but that might confuse you. Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. And you see, I don't know how you feel about it, but we've forgotten there weren't superhero movies up until 1989, apart from Superman, which was very good with Christopher Reeve. But we're we're drowning in superhero movies now, as you both well know. And we might be coming to an end of that. I saw Bob Iger recently saying, I think we're made too many. So maybe it's it's coming to an end. But rightly or wrongly, Batman heralded in the whole new era of the Superman or the superhero movie. But people have kind of forgotten just how good Tim Burton's Batman man is because before that the last thing we had was the 1960 serial with Adam West which was this kind of camp bizarre kind of thing which was entertaining which we used to watch reruns of in the 80s but Tim Burton came back and made Batman this dark thing because not to go down a superhero nerd rabbit hole but what's Batman's power? Nothing. He's driven by revenge and that's a very engaging kind of topic. The idea that his parents were killed and he gets himself into great shape and he becomes a millionaire Bruce Wayne and he can spend all this money on his gadgets and stuff like that and he's driven by revenge. So we meet this dark guy in a dark Gotham and it's brilliant and that hasn't even brought up the whole I don't know you don't want to say anything bad about Heath Ledger but Jack Nicholson is the Joker is still unbelievable like it's what what's he doing there because is it a comedic <laughs> role there? is yeah what's he building in there is it the greatest villain of all time it may be both of those things he's absolutely brilliant in it. and again I remember going to see it when I was 14 or 15 in the cinema hoping that it would be good and just being utterly blown away by it and Tim Burton like the second one he did with with the penguin and all I wasn't as much of a fan of because I, I, I oh, thought I it got Michelle Pfeiffer in that film is I, true I thought it got a bit too Tim Burton-esque whereas he was right on the money being classic Tim Burton but also keeping the proper dark Batman I think it's brilliant and Kim Bassinger was great oh, as Vicky Vale stunning. did yeah. you enjoy Batman? 
Yeah, no, I did. No, I loved it. I, I watched the hell out of it when I was a kid. And and something that I appreciate about it now is if you look at the other actors that have played Batman, Bale, fantastic. Uh, ben Affleck, good. Robert Pattinson, a little too emo, but effective as Batman. None of them ever really mastered. George Clooney, uh, pretty terrible. Just forget about that. Yeah. Uh, none of them ever really mastered the Bruce Wayne role. Yeah. I think when Keaton was playing Batman, he was kind of looking at what Christopher Reeve did with yeah. Batman. Yeah. Where you have to play the two different parts. You can't just be the same character. And Keaton seems to be the only actor that understood that when he's Batman, he is messed up and he's never he's yeah. never been able to get over and he never will yeah. this this tragedy that happened when he was a kid. And when he's Bruce Wayne, he's playing the part of what he believes is a happy man. Yeah. And he's and he, this is what a billionaire should be. And yeah. that's why he seems a little bit twitchy and crazy yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And he's so brilliant at playing the both of them. He's the only actor who's ever nailed both parts, I think. That's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. And we haven't even mentioned the brilliant soundtrack by Prince and oh, Batman's yeah. and Party Man. And I was I'm always stuff. offended by that Shaun of the Dead quote when they're like, Batman soundtrack, throw it and they throw it at the zombie. I'm like, why would you throw with Batman's oh, it's really good yeah, it's brilliant absolutely <laughs> no, brilliant it's an incredible like I, I agree I just love it and I used to, when I was it was one of those ones I had taped off the TV uh, one and two and I would just watch them over and over again and all of Jack Nicholson's got like have you ever danced with the devil in yeah. pain night when he's describing the Joker and he goes I like him already like everything yeah. was just <laughs> spectacular about his script like I was just looking up some of the quotes from it. it's just so funny and even Batman laughs when the Joker says to him nice outfit <laughs> or when uh, yeah, not Kim who uh, Jerry Hall comes up to him and says you look fine I didn't uh, yeah. it's just brilliant it's no, he's incredible yeah. I thought he should have won an Oscar he wasn't even nominated I don't think for I know, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah but right. he told um, apparently told Ledger to stay away from the character though when he was going to do the really? Dark really why yeah, because he said he just went to very dark places yeah. to play the Joker yeah. that there was you know that, that idea that Michael Caine says you know so, some men just aren't you know they're not motivated by stuff like money they just want to see the world burn and I think that's the idea with the Joker you mm. have to just get rid of any semblance of morality and yeah. he just warned him off and he told him not to do it yeah well they both did a great job mm. you are listening to a special screen time where myself Chris Wasser and Sue Murphy are talking about some of the best blockbusters of all time we are running out of time if you'd like to nominate some of yours John underscore Farley is my Twitter handle or you can email me screentime at newstalk.com we're going to take a quick ad break and squeeze in a few more blockbusters after the break Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, News Talks TV and Movie Show. You're listening to a special show where myself and Sue Murphy and Chris Wasser are looking at the best blockbusters of all time. It has been Spielberg heavy, but sure, who cares? This isn't Spielberg. Sue, this is your next choice. Take a listen to this. I can tell you the license plate numbers of all six cars outside. I can tell you that our waitress is left-handed and the guy sitting up at the counter weighs 215 pounds and knows how to handle himself. I know the best place to look for a gun is the cab of the gray truck outside. And at this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why would I know that? How can I know that and not know who I am? Matt Damon playing mm. Jason Bourne. Sue, the Bourne identity, is it the first one or the whole series you're nominating? I'm a big fan of the middle one, which is okay. Supremacy, but I love Ultimatum as well. I think Identity is a different film, actually. It was directed by Doug Lyman. The other two were Greengrass, um, okay. Paul Greengrass. So they, they move differently. Mm. Um, I think the, the second two kind of zip along a lot quicker because of his the way he works that camera. Whereas the Identity is more getting into the characters a little bit longer. You feel like it's taken a bit longer to get there. But it, like again, we're, we're talking about simple structure. Guy who's like proper action hero saved no memory of who he is or where he's come from and what happened. but he's able to like take people on mm-hmm. in fights has to go and find out who he is and yeah. he spends three films finding out who he yes. is. Yes. And, and the action is amazing. 
the action sequences the like chases. the car chases the the shooting um Waterloo uh, train station when they're with uh, Paddy Constantine is walking around with the phone and mm-hmm. he's walking around the train station with him is one of the best shot sequences I've ever seen the camera working it is absolutely incredible and the bit where he's in is it Morocco they shoot in at one point later in, in Ultimatum and he jumps through the window and then he gets into a fight with a guy in a book and he puts the book up to his and shoves it under his neck like all of it is just shot spectacularly but Actually, like I, the first time I saw Matt Damon do the uh, the video with Sarah Silverman, um, and she was just like, I'm, I don't want to say it on air because it's a bad word. I'm effing Matt Damon that one. <laughs> oh yes. When she when they did that first, and I was like, he's a sense of humour because for me he was born. He there was no, yeah. you know. But I think it really took action films to another level because mm-hmm. there is a gr- you have a huge amount of empathy for his character. You feel really sorry for him because he is obviously taking this really badly, like not understanding who he is or where. He's come from, and all of these people that he seems to have affected, and he doesn't know why. Yeah, and I, I just think he's brilliant in it, and I, I think the action, like you have to have seen this in the cinema. If you didn't see it in the cinema, it, it's not worth it. But I have an unnatural obsession with it. Like I remember once having a conversation with my dad, and I was like, I don't understand why I have any money, and he pointed to the underside room and went, "You have a born ultimatum spy kit there <laughs> in the corner," and I was like. Yeah, but that's a special edition. Like. <laughs> you needed that. You needed that. <laughs> I need that. I still have it. <laughs> Very important. Chris, I gather you're not a huge fan. Not, not particularly. Delighted for Matt Damon because, you know, Matt Damon, the actor, has been successful and it's great that he got to be Matt Damon, the movie star, for a <laughs> while. Um, and he is very good in them. And on a technical level, th- these films are hard to fault. I, yeah. You know, they... Like, we wouldn't have the John Wick franchise, although yeah. I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, they're so intricately choreographed and yeah. shot and very effective. On a basic storytelling level, I've never really been able to connect with them. It's this whole kind of journey of him trying to figure out who he was. I'm not really sure if I ever really cared much about oh, who he was. Okay. Um, but they they held me. That la- the, the fourth one, though, I, I can't tell you anything about what happened in the fourth no, one. No, the fourth I one compl- I think I forgot about it while I was watching it. Yeah. That was the born yeah. supremacy, wasn't it? Was it, it was just... Yeah, oh, it was no. just Jason Bourne, wasn't it? It was Jason Bourne. Was that the one with Renner in it? Jeremy Renner? Oh, no, no, no. That was the Bourne. That was the... Uh, we'll just call that the Bourne replacement. <laughs> um, <laughs> I cannot remember. There you Sorry, go. so basically, maybe the fifth one is what maybe I'm talking about. Maybe the fifth one, okay. It was the yeah. one where Matt Damon was in it for the fourth time. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it did. It yeah. went over to Renner and then went back to yeah. Damon. Yeah. But no, they were never as good as the original. I think that like supremacy, when you first see that car chase and start supremacy, you're like, we're on to, we're on to a different level of stuff here. This mm. is great. And I think... They just took action. They demanded more from action films. Yeah. And being, you know, they were quite serious. Yeah. And I think he's quite serious in it. And he never really moves away from that. You never kind of see him softening at all. Like at one point you're like, how did you manage to get a girlfriend? How is she still there? (laughs) Like, you don't talk to anyone. You don't want to talk to anyone. Like, but I just, I, yeah, it's just, for me, it's cinema. Like it was, I went to see it on opening night at like midnight after I finished a shift in Extravision. And we all went and we were all really excited about it. But it was a real like blockbuster action film for us, you know. Wow. Born an extra vision, eh? I'm worried I'm being too picky now because I just said that, yeah, I totally agree. It's cinema, the action's brilliant, the performances, but I said I didn't connect to it on a basic storytelling level. And yet, (laughs) I love Mission Impossible. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> the stories are they're 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 not even but secondary. They're so yeah. far down the line yeah. of importance. There, like, yeah. but I think maybe I just have one. I have I've I've room in my heart for one uh, spy, and that's Ethan Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Sorry, well that's Jason. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, Where a is room for many spies in our heart. Okay, fantastic. So, Chris, we go back to Spielberg and the unmistakable sound of this. 
that of course is the theme tune from Raiders of the Lost Ark 1981 if I'm not mistaken I know someone who thinks it's the greatest film ever made uh, it's certainly up there um, there are a lot of reasons to love this film Harrison Ford's performance uh, you know again giving Spielberg and, and George Lucas the chance to kind of you know work together it wasn't always Spielberg and Lucas didn't always make the best decisions together Yeah. Uh, but they they just struck gold with this and I love as well that again like an awful lot of Spielberg projects, they were making this up as they went along. <laughs> I mean, they like George Lucas just had an, a name. It was Indiana Smith. Mm. Terrible name. Yeah. Um, and this idea, this uh, uh, nightclubbing, partying, uh, adventurer, professor, archaeologist. <laughs> and he then took it to, uh, you know, Philip Kaufman of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And he said, you got to help me put together a film here. And he was taking it to all of these other people. It was actually Spielberg when he was holidaying with Spielberg in Hawaii that Spielberg said to him, it sounds like you want to make a Disney ride. You haven't really figured out. You haven't really figured out how to make a film here. So they just got to work on the character and you know what exactly who exactly he would be. They got rid of the nightclubbing element. They got rid of the Smith name. Mm. They originally had Tom Selleck, but Tom Selleck, you know, oh, the, the Tom Selleck story is 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 heartbreaking for Tom because they wanted him. He had shot a pilot for Magnum PI. He uh, he was then under contract to you know appear in Magnum PI if it was picked up for a series. Mm. Spielberg and Lucas go to CBS. They say, "Can you let this guy out of his contract?" They realize that this guy's in demand, so they greenlight a series without even watching the pilot. <laughs> but then the actor strike. That was the last time there was an actor strike. The actor wow. strike hit, and he couldn't make Magnum PI, but he would have been able to make uh, Indiana Jones. They couldn't do te- television work, but he could have done film. Anyway, sorry for going down that lane, no, but that's uh, yeah, it could have been so different. But but once this film came out, I remember seeing this film for the first time and just thinking, who, who's, who's your man? Like Harrison Ford, <laughs> just as a kid yeah. kind of going, I want to be him. And mm-hmm. it's going back to that every man thing again. It was just like, well, it's not maybe an every man quality, but he's a, he's a real ordinary guy. When he gets mm. punched, he, he yes. goes down. He's not you know? a superhero. When he comes across a problem, he gets stressed. Yeah. When someone annoys him, he gets angry. Like it just yeah. like he was just so cool. Yeah. And he was an academic, but he also got to be an adventurer. And it's yeah. like if I so if I grow up and I'm, I'm going to academia, like do I get to go on all no, these? No, you don't, because I fell for that. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna go and do and I did history in college and I was about to do archaeology because it was gonna be Indiana Jones. And <laughs> no, you don't have that much fun. <laughs> what I love about it is that it's as well a kind of homage to the or the serial Spielberg yeah. loved on the Saturday morning, Friday night, whenever they were on, like it really feels of that era. Yeah. But yet it was released in 81, as I say. Like it's just glorious filmmaking. And what I found funny was I really liked The Dial of Destiny, but I really liked it because it's harking back to the first one in a way. Mm. That's why I loved it so much. Mm. Like we're all still craving, not that it's not good, but it's because there were so many nods with the Nazis and all that to the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. It's absolutely, and, and some of the action sequences in it are so, so well good. done. And even yeah. the the opening salvo when he's grabbing his hat under the door, yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And so many other films around that time as well, especially when you get into the sequels. Second sequel, or the second film, not great. Third one, fantastic. They're all, so many films around that time, especially action ones, are trying to keep up with the times. Mm. And it's so cool that Spielberg and Lucas were looking back the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to make their own Zorro. They wanted to make their own. Yeah, very, know, like something afternoon. 20s archaeologist, yeah. you know, it's very, yeah, looking back a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, no arguments, I don't think, from anyone. <laughs> we're nearly at the end of this little thrill ride to the best blockbusters of all time. The last one is my choice. Take a listen to this. You got to help me. You were the only one who knows how your time machine works. Machine. I haven't invented any time machine. Okay, all right, I'll prove it to you. 
Look at my driver's license. Expires 1987. Look at my birthday, for crying out loud. I haven't even been born yet. And look at this picture. It's my brother, my sister, and me. Look at her sweatshirt, Doc. Class of 1984. Pretty mediocre photographic fakery. They cut off your mother's hair. I'm telling the truth, Doc. You gotta believe me. Then tell me, future boy. <laughs> Who's president of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan? The actor? <laughs> then who's vice president? Jerry Lewis. <laughs> oh man that of course is the unmistakable sound of Michael J Fox with Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future as you may know on this show we do a slot most weeks where I talk to someone well known about their favourite movie I'm get, I've banned Some Like It Hot and The Shawshank Redemption I'm getting close to banning The Big Lebowski and I'm also getting close to banning Back to the Future because so many people choose it because one, two, and even three, the trilogy, are just some of the most delightful blockbusters of all time. And the reason why I choose it as a blockbuster, as you may know this, Robert Zemeckis, it's not Steven Spielberg directing, there was involvement, but they moved it to the summer because after it was made, they thought, oh, this could be a summer blockbuster, and by God, it could. And, you know, some people make reference now to the slightly weird relationship that, you know, Michael J. Fox, who's meant to be a late teenager, hanging out with this ageing scientist. I, I, I don't think that's strange at all, to be honest. I mean, maybe it's a little odd, but I don't think there was... I mean, Doc is strange. Yeah, yeah. but I don't think there was anything untoward about it. It was a great relationship. In case you don't know, Marty McFly helps or gets his, into his time machine, which is a DeLorean, and he goes back to the 50s and meets his mother who starts to fall in love with him and he has to try and get him and his biological father her and her biological father together to make sure he perseveres into the future again the time travel doesn't make any sense or doesn't make any sense to me but it's absolutely wonderful I showed it to my now 11 year old and I think my 7 year old and they certainly the eldest boy absolutely loved it because what's not to love it's a swashbuckling adventure even though it's about science fiction in a way it's as swashbuckling as as Raiders of the Lost Ark or Batman. It's just a glorious adventure. And Sue, you said you find it kind of sad now to yeah, hear Michael just, J. I, Fox. I think, yeah, it's the Michael J. Fox element because do you know what? He's just endlessly likeable in these mm. films. Like you just want to hug him. He's the cutest thing. He's just like the small little guy. I know that sounds really bad, but do you know what I mean? He's just like he's just so adorable. Yeah. And his character is amazing. But Christopher Lloyd and I like one of my favourite films of all time which we can actually talk about again is Adam's Family Values and I just think Okay oh. Wow There's a curveball <laughs> Love it Like wow, this okay. script for Adam's Family Values is incredible I can quote it off you now but I won't um, You know there probably is another special in movies we find surprising <laughs> not that but, but movies we find surprisingly good there are one yeah. or two of those anyway but let's Christopher Lloyd as that weird okay. yeah. fester doc yeah. type character yeah. like there was yeah. nobody else that could have played that role but when I think of it like I, I watch it a lot around Christmas and you know the way it always pops up and you're about half, an hour into it and you're like oh yeah it's grand. I'll just sit down and watch the end of this and, and then you end up watching it about 20 times over yeah. Christmas because it's on every channel but that's fine you don't actually mind watching it you eventually get to the end of the film by the time you get to the end of Christmas but his clothes like the hoverboards making us believe there were going to be hoverboards his shoes everything about it is just 
It's just amazing. And when you rewatch it, fun. particularly the first one, there is no fat on it. There's no moment where you're wishing, hurry up, hurry up, get to this, get to this, get this. I mean, the third one, I still love. It's probably the least successful of the three of them. You probably know Eric Stoltz did about six weeks yeah. it, and they had him. And yeah. then they said, this really isn't working. And you can see it on YouTube. It really wasn't working. Are you a fan, Chris? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I went to see the musical there a couple of months wow. ago. Wow. And uh, yeah, I went in thinking, I'm, I'm not sure what this is going to be like. And oh, I loved it. It's only a matter of time. That's the, <laughs> that's what they've done with the music. They basically just put lyrics to the score and it actually works really well. <laughs> Forget my interpretation of it. Uh, although, the, although there were obviously, you know, very, uh, you know, accomplished adults running the show, it has that kind of childhood yeah. essence to it. Yeah, it uh, does. Even when I was watching it as a kid, I thought, did a kid come up with this? Mm. So you have a teenager who's able to time travel in a car yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, and he's got hoverboards yeah. and he's a skater yeah. and, and when he goes back to the 50s he also gets to be a rock star playing yeah. songs oh, yeah, the rock star. Yeah. it sounds like a kid just saying and I want this on the time travel movie and I want that and yet they were able to you know Zemeckis and Spielberg and everyone involved they were able to make it all look as as steady and, yeah. and, and as slick as it is it's the best Michael J. Fox has ever been it's the best yeah. Christopher Lloyd's ever been yeah. I would re-watch it a hundred times and I still wouldn't be sick of it and you're right it, it's from the imagination of a child it yeah. seems that way and that's why it's so successful it's, do you know what I always think of it as well is like it's so colourful yeah. Yeah. yeah you know and there's the a lot, colours of, that, like, off the a lot screen, of those yeah. kind of blockbusters ends up pretty dark in places but it's yeah. just so no vibrant. there's very little darkness and yeah. even though it's again kind of Freudianism you know your mother falling in love with you and oh it's so yeah, weird yeah. yeah it is weird yeah. but you know, we're fine with that. Uh, and endlessly quotable lines, roads, where we're going, we yeah, don't need yeah. roads. If we had time and we don't really, but if we were going to nominate one other blockbuster and I just I just wanted in a phrase, I would put in Avengers Endgame because I actually think for my children's generation, that movie is kind of going to be their Emperor Strikes Back and I can see why this elegiac field of all the Avengers and, and I've watched it since and I, I kind of think it's a pretty great movie. Uh, there you go. Chris, what other blockbuster, if I could give you one more, would you put in? Alien. Okay. Oh, good choice. Wow. Or yeah. Aliens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Those two. Okay. <laughs> I said one. <laughs> Sue? Uh, I'd probably go with The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 I can't, I, when you were talking about Batman, I was like, which Batman do I prefer? Oh, I my know. God. And it feels like it's like my life defining, de- you know, decision. What is my favourite Batman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have a real soft spot for Heath Ledger as Joker. I think he's incredible. And, I, Christian Bale is a good Batman. Yeah. yeah. Besides the fact that he's completely mad in real life, and you know, he is a really good Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember the excitement around it as well. Yeah. Like a superhero film that people were excited about that was dark, had a good story, oh, a good director, yeah. you know. And then it just went off the went off in all mad directions. No, I know, but such book. a clever movie as well. Yeah. Dark Knight. And there's all this like social philosophy thing where they're, yeah. they're on the boat and in the city, the prisoner's yeah. dilemma, who you're gonna blow up. It's it's but a he brilliant went, he movie. He went too far. The next one, he tried to put too much into the third and suddenly it was yeah, gone the other way. I mean it's the pinnacle. It is yeah. the it is the best that those they get, you know. Absolutely. Dark Knight is just a great crime film that just mm. yeah. happens to involve costumed characters. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, listen, we are way out of time. I want to thank Chris Wasser, arts journalist and film critic. And Sue Murphy of, uh, I was going to say many, many places, mostly news <laughs> mostly talk, though. mostly, mostly <laughs> this building. You've been listening to a special screen time. If you want to get in touch at any stage during the week about our choices, John underscore Farty is my Twitter handle, or you can email me screen time at newstalk.com. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the remainder of your weekend and your week ahead.